hold on one second. What? I uh, just realized I'm not wearing my AirPods, so. Go get your AirPods. Let us re-record the first 20 minutes of this episode. (laughs) Good morning and welcome to the Queer Exchange, Alyssa. Hi, Ben. Happy recording day. Happy recording day. Our recording days are dynamic. They change every week. (laughs) I think that's a running theme with this podcast. Everything is flexible. Nothing is concrete. Right. If our gender isn't fluid, our podcast sure is. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the topic this week, Ben? Today we're going to talk about gender and gender identities, basically our experiences with people that are gender diverse because we ourselves are cis, so we're basic. Yeah, right, 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 right. But before we get into the next topic, though, can we do a, like, clarification sipper? I don't know about you, but I have a clarity zipper that I want to just state because when I listened to the first rendition of our episode on sexual orientation, episode two, I like cringed really hard when I was talking about the AIDS epidemic and I said how gay men were the face of the epidemic. And therefore, that's why gay became a term to be associated with masculine identities. And like, I just want to make it clear that trans individuals, trans women were very much so part of that liberation movement like we all know that the stonewall riots were initiated by trans women of color and so i did not mean it to say that they did not play an important role i just i think what i was trying to articulate was that publicly like to the public that was gay men that were you know doing interviews on news shows and doing those types of things so that ties into just like trans erasure and bipoc erasure period of like white gay men were the face of that movement because it was socially acceptable and easier for people to digest not saying it's right or wrong but that's kind of what happened they just had more like social power in that circumstance and so that is what i meant did not mean to erase the hugely powerful impact that trans individuals have had on that movement and have been negatively impacted by the hiv aids epidemic as well so just wanted to clarity that point thank you for providing us with some clarity (laughs) what's your clarity my clarity is that my drag name last week was completely wrong (laughs) (laughs) so i still stand by aquafina harbor being like a lush drag name but that is not the place we went to. It was actually called Aqua Marina, which could also be a drag name. Like you see where my intent was or like where my inspiration came from. But yeah, it was Aqua Marina, not Aquafina Harbor. <laughs> you were caught in the moment and you just went with what felt right. Yeah. So, I mean, mine's a little bit less intensive a correction, but I think it was still <laughs> something that I wanted to say. <laughs> we're all about we're all about correcting our mistakes on, on this podcast. Seriously. <laughs> probably gonna be plenty (laughs) yeah those are the mistakes that we know about and we're choosing to acknowledge but if you find more please reach out to us on any of our social media platforms and be like uh excuse me y'all wrong and we'll be like you're right you're right i mean after a little bit of further inquiry we'll make that decision but we are all ears we're open to criticism all right people yeah okay so before we take a break maybe just share our little she really do be that way. Yeah, let's talk about she really. Oh wait, what was the? Let's come up with a new one each time. She really do be that way. Huh? <laughs> okay. Anyway, Alyssa, what is what is your nice personal story this week? Well, uh, those of you who can't see me right now, so that's everybody besides Ben. Um, I got a haircut, like a pretty intense haircut. She got a chop. 
Yeah, I chopped it. I chopped chopped my hair off. My hair was very long and had been growing for over a year. I hadn't gotten a trim in over a year. And it was literally to the point where it was like on my ass. And I was like, this is too much. <laughs> so <laughs> It was a mane. I had been wanting to get a haircut since pre-COVID, but then obviously that happened and places shut down. So I was like, okay, well, I obviously have to postpone. And so there's a salon that's right down the street from my house that I'd been wanting to check out. And so I booked an appointment and here we are. Now I have very, it's not even that short. It probably hits right around my collarbone, but I'm happy. I'm, I'm lightweight, fresh dew, and yeah. It's so cute. I really, really love it. Thank you. We'll post a picture of it on our Instagram. Yes, we will. Well, it was that way, girl. I love it. Great job. I love your hair. Thank you. Thank you. What's yours? What really do be that way for you? Oh, this is lame. But I guess it was probably the only like really piece of excitement I had. You take what you can get in quarantine. So my next semester at GW is fully online. I submitted a claim to like teach remotely because I'm not interested in getting germs from these college students. So I live in a 500 square foot apartment, not a lot of space, but I need a workspace. We got a new high top desk that also functions as like a prep space, whatever in our kitchen. But like when I do therapy, I need to have a private room. And so that means I have to go into our bedroom because that's the only other space in our apartment that has a door side from the bathroom, which I'm not going to be seeing clients in there. So I was like, I need a desk, but our room is so tiny because that's what you pay for in DC. So I found this cute little mobile desk, but also has like that power lift that can go up and down Yeah, and it can fit like wedge it right in the corner and I can sit with my back against a wall and you can't even tell I'm in a bedroom and I'm like, perfect. I'm ready to go. That's awesome. It's so handy. It's super convenient. I love it. It can be used for anything. I mean, Shane has used it more than I. It came like two days ago, but he's welcome. Wow. But that's my excitement. I'm really glad that I got that. That is exciting. We love a mobile workstation. Thank you, Quarantine, for bringing that out of me. Okay, well, that's great. We should probably get going on our actual topic now, huh? Yeah, you want to take a quick break? Be right back? Yeah, let's step aside for a minute. Okay, step aside. So we're going to talk about gender and gender identity today on the Queer Exchange podcast. And obviously... The first step in learning is just establishing some basic definitions, kind of like we did last time. Right. So, I don't know, like, what is gender? <laughs> Such like Ugh, a... Literally, how do you even answer that question? <laughs> yeah. What do some reputable sources say about what gender means? HRC, Human Rights Campaign, labels it as the innermost concept of the self as man, woman, both or neither, and... Gender identities obviously can be different from the sex that you're assigned at birth. However, I, so let's just really get into it in the early minutes of this topic because. Yeah, get into it. I have a lot of questions, a lot of grievances. It's controversial. Yeah. We basically ascribe male and female on sex characteristics. Genitalia, basically. Right. Biological sex then is genetically determined, right? Like that's kind of what people try and make the argument for. But we know that there are a plethora of sexual development disorders. I don't know if Mm -hmm. that's kind of a pathologized word. Intersex. Intersex or people that have an extra X chromosome and then they developed different types of physical characteristics. And so it really blurs the line between this clear cut male, female that we want. Yeah. Well, we've been taught that like there's a binary, you know, you have men with 
male genitalia and you have women with female genitalia. And then everyone who doesn't fit into that binary is categorized as just like an anomaly. But I don't think like, is it really that clear cut that you can tell off the bat? Like, I don't know. It's clear cut if you think that sex characteristics determine gender. I think as we're advancing as a society, we're realizing that correlation is just not what we think it is. I also have grievances with, I was just looking through a survey that I'm writing a paper on right now about the impact of COVID-19 on the queer community. It's a sample of like 18, 25-year-old college students. They filled it out right at the beginning of the epidemic, and we're kind of just looking at how this is impacting the queer students within that sample. And one of the questions asks, like, what is your sex, male, female, then what is your gender, male, female, transgender? And so one person left a comment that said, I don't know how to answer this question about gender because you're using terms that are defining sex, because they use the terms male and female as opposed to man and woman. And this is how I have always thought about it, just from a research perspective and more globally. Male and female should really exclusively speak to someone's sex, biological, physical traits, and then man and women... I think is more so related to someone's gender because gender is your inner sense of who you are. Yeah. And that's why like when on the survey, because we put male and female, this person was like, I, I'm not going to answer this because you use terms that define sex when you're asking about gender. And I feel like that's a really important distinction. Yeah. I never thought about that way because I think man and male and woman and female get used interchangeably a lot when they don't necessarily equate to the same thing and maybe shouldn't be used interchangeably as they are right like i almost don't even really use the terms male and female anymore like this honestly turns into like a whole other issue because do you ever notice online like if you're reading through twitter or reddit or whatever that like men tend to refer to women as females way more often than women refer to men as males you know what i mean like ah, i don't like it (laughs) yeah this might be controversial but in regards to this argument about biological sex being a myth Like, what's the solution then, right? Like, do we just eliminate sex? But at the same time, someone's sex characteristics have a lot of implications for, like, high risk for cancers and, like, being being able to reproduce, right? Like, they're relevant. I don't necessarily agree on calling it a myth. It's a thing that exists. Like, people have different genitalia. They have different characteristics. Like, there are tangible differences. It's just so exclusionary, you know? Exactly. But, But then what's the happy medium, you know? Like, I totally get the argument that... It's not really fair, and it it also excludes a lot of people that don't fall within this binary genitalia. But at the same time, it's like, it's really helpful from a medical perspective to be able to categorize people so that we can make statements about, like, doing breast screenings more frequently, or maybe you should, like, like we use that to inform our health approaches. So it's like, I, like, I get it, and then at the same time, I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Yeah, it's messy. You need to have a codified system in order to study things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have to use language that is meant to categorize people in order to study those categories. Yeah. But obviously you're not going to have enough categories for everybody. I don't like the I don't like calling it a myth though because I do think that that does erase some important stuff. Yeah. I think the myth really just means that it's like you can't equate it with someone's gender basically. Yeah. And I think that's a very important point, but To say that sex is not an important thing to think about or when we're like to use as a proxy of risk assessments, I think we need more science. We just need to advance it. And honestly, we need more perspectives from the people that are most affected by it, like the intersex community, because I don't know how much the medical establishment has a relationship with them. I don't think there's a very strong one. Yeah. 
I was also going to say it kind of relates to J.K. Rowling's canceling recently. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. She would make the argument that biological sex is incredibly important yes. and to erase that erases, you know, cis identity, which to be fair, like I, I, I can kind of see where that's coming from, but I also think it's very close-minded. It's like yet again, another like cis woman with a platform erasing all these people who don't fit into her box. And yeah, I just think like what aspect of her identity or her experience is being taken away or changed by just being more inclusionary to anyone that identifies as a woman, whether they were born with a vagina or not, you know? Yeah. You know the term TERF? Yeah. Trans exclusionary radical feminist. I just like, I don't even think that they deserve the F. Like, yeah, you're not a feminist if you don't include all women in your definition. Period. APA also talks about gender identity being a component of someone's gender that describes psychological sense of who they are, right? It's like more of like a mental inner feeling. And so it's an inner sense of being a boy or a man or a girl or a woman or being non-binary, so not falling within that dichotomy, which can be things like being genderqueer, gender non-conforming, gender neutral, agender, gender fluid, transgender, being identifying with the gender that is opposite of what you were assigned at birth. People self-identify with these terms at their own will, right? Like, All of these terms fit people differently. I'm working with a supervisor right now at the hospital that I'm working at, and they really don't care to use gender non-conforming as a label because it's basically like, what am I not conforming to, right? Like, yeah. But also some people really like the word. So like GNC was a hot search criteria in the sexuality research for a while. They use an acronym TGNC, so transgender and gender non-conforming. Which, like, not the same. No. I don't know if it's fair to group them like that. (laughs) No, it's just not. I like the term non-binary because it's like, it doesn't put you in a box. It just says those other two boxes aren't for me. Right. Because gender is what? Gender is a spectrum. She's a spectrum. (laughs) Everything's a spectrum. Do we want to talk about history? I just thought that this was interesting. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically it's from a chapter of a book. Chapter is called Transgender History in the U.S., written by Jenny Beeman, and it's from a book called Trans Bodies, Trans Selves. And I was just very interested in, like, when was this first, like, when did gender really become a thing that people started to think about? Apparently, one of the first recorded examples was in a Virginia colony in the 1620s with an individual who claimed to be both a man and a woman at different times, adopting different gender roles and clothing throughout their life. That is interesting. So the person's name was Thomas or Thomasane Hall. And this was back in the 1620s. Wow. Oh, that poor person. They probably went through hell and back, huh? Well, yes, but also what was the outcome here? I thought it was they allowed this person to switch or to use both men and women appearances and gender roles. Yeah, that is interesting. It was just really fascinating to me that one of the earliest recorded examples was 1620. And so Lord knows what it was like before that, before it was recorded. Yeah. And how that differs by culture, right? Like that kind of might lead into some of the different gender identities that we know about. One of the ones that I think is fascinating is the two spirit. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I really don't want to like talk outside of my competence because I really don't know a lot about it. But one of the definitions that I found was that it's an identity within Native American and indigenous cultures where people were male, female, or sometimes intersex individuals. And they did activities of what would be typically done of both men and women. And they were considered neither men nor women, but occupied a distinct alternative gender status. It's just like fascinating. That's the thing that's really frustrating about like gender stuff 
is that I didn't have a class that talked about gender really until college. Let's talk about that class for a minute because that was a good class. Yeah. So Ben and I, back in college, we took a class in the American Studies Department. It was also gender and women's. Like, you could take it from either department. Oh, okay. We took it from the American Studies. Yeah. Like, the first title was Sex in the City, and then it was, like, something else. Sex, Politics, and Gender in the United States, or something like that. Yeah. And that was very all-encompassing, and probably my first introduction to, like, viewing gender and sexuality from, like, a critical thinking approach. You know that I still have that bound book of readings from that class? No, you do not. I sure do. After that class, I was like, I need to save this. (laughs) Like, that's how formative it was for me. It just was so eye-opening. It was one of the first times that I started to learn about like an intersectional framework. Oh, God. That was the first time I heard intersectionality and my mind just blew up. Yes. Just like thinking about that stuff from an academic lens. Once you approach it of like, maybe my experience isn't the same as everybody else's, that these types of perspectives and ways of thinking become so much more understandable and normalized. We said this last time too, just because it's different and you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not valid. For sure. I remember one of the biggest things was the AIDS epidemic that stood out to me because I had no clue how mishandled that all was. Oh, or like... How rampant. And just like straight up traumatizing for an entire generation of people. Yeah. Did I tell you when my sister was born, my mom needed a blood transfusion because she was losing some through the delivery. And she said no because she was worried about the HIV AIDS epidemic because no one was really testing the blood for the virus before giving it to patients. And so there were people that were acquiring HIV through blood transfusions. So she was just like very paranoid at the time. Wow. I mean, it makes sense. Like, like I don't blame her, but... <laughs> that was such a tangent. <laughs> Basically, there are a plethora of different gender identities. We're not going to list them like we did the sexualities just because that took way too long and it's very easily accessible information. So <laughs> highly encourage you guys to just take five minutes and Google some different gender identities and see what you don't know because there's a lot out there. Yeah. Especially the two-spirit thing, I think, is super interesting and not really talked about mainstream. And I think the non-binary identities are also equally important to think about because, from my experience, I think that they are growing in numbers. Well, in someone who is trans, can they be both? Can you be non-binary and transgender? Oh, yeah. From my understanding, the trans community prefers to use just the word trans, that you don't even need to add the word gender, and then you can call someone a trans man, trans woman space between trans and man it's not one word i've seen hyphenated as well yeah you can hyphenate i think the argument is like i identify as a man and yes i am trans but like i don't need those words to be together for my experience so many people call it different things though right it's like some people use trans man some people use trans boy some people use trans masculine Mm -hmm. but back to your question about the non-binary piece one of the things that actually is pretty new to me i'm working in a gender and autism clinic and there's quite a few individuals who are non-binary trans which is kind of challenging because like Trans, by definition, means you identify with the gender opposite of the one that you were assigned at birth. I think I have an interpretation. Yeah, tell me it. 
basically the way that I'm thinking about it is just the word non-binary. Not only does it kind of mean like I don't fit into the men women box, but it also can kind of mean like I don't fit into mainstream visualization of what men and women means. So like, yes, I'm a trans woman, but that can be different than what society says a woman is. And that's why they still include non-binary. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think so. Like, I think it just means the trans piece probably is mainly a statement about not identifying with the gender they were assigned at birth. And then non-binary is about how they currently identify. Yeah. Like, I just don't necessarily fall within, like, the man-woman dichotomy. And so I know that I'm not the gender that I was assigned at birth, but I'm also not categorizable. Right. Yeah. That's a really good explanation. Oh, one of the other pieces that I think I like, and I'm starting to use this terminology more, is instead of calling something like someone transitioning... And I was told this by my supervisor in my current placement that it's better to use like gender affirming. Okay. Because it's more of like a positively framed process. I see what you're saying. Because like transition definitely implies the change, but gender affirming adds more positive connotation to it. Right. I wouldn't say like this youth is transitioning. I would say like this youth is affirming their gender. I like that. One of the pieces that I want to make a statement about just in relation to gender identity is the idea that within the queer community, because there is so many diverse labels, that there's like a blurred line there where someone can still identify as a man, but be very femme appearing. Or a woman can still identify as a woman, but present so butch. And I think that is so amazing. I love that concept. That plays with the words masculine and feminine because those are often inherently tied to their respective gender yeah but i struggle with that language because like what makes you know sensitivity why is that considered a feminine trait yeah where did that connect happen because there is a link between those words that i don't necessarily know if it should be there or not Mm. i mean right now i just think it's just the way the world is and We have those schemas. Schemas, archetypes, yes. We have all of those things in our brain that help us make sense of the world, but maybe we just need to like break down those boxes and like put other things in them and like expand them. Right. We love an open concept floor plan. I don't think I would ever buy anything other. (laughs) The last piece that I thought was interesting in relation to genders and gender identity was we hear these stories of like, five-year-olds coming to their parents and saying mommy i'm not a boy like i'm a girl i feel like a girl right Mm -hmm. like it just is so fascinating to me how those types of ideas can spark so young so i wanted to do a little digging around like what we currently know in terms of peer-reviewed science and so one of the main findings that i saw in this article by weinrab and colleagues in 1984 in the journal of child development found evidence that children or youth are aware of gender as early as the age of 26 months so like literally two-year-olds are able to identify gender constructs basically they had to take pictures and place them in certain boxes to categorize them And they did this either verbally by like orally explaining what someone was, or they just non-verbally placed boxes in. And so the non-verbal skills were obviously prevalent earlier than the verbal skills were. Then they had a picture of themselves, and they put a picture of themselves into a certain box. And kids as young as 26 months old were able to do that. So that was a sign that they had some type of concept of their own gender identity. It's interesting about the age thing that kids know how to categorize. You know, they, they pick up on the clues that what they see around them and they understand that dichotomy that we've taught them. 
because gender has been tied to sex for so long, people have viewed it as like a biological thing when in actuality, I think a different, more accurate approach to take would be like, it's like a performance. You know what I mean? Like you are acting in a way because you want the rest of the world to categorize you in that way. Right. The other articles that I have here, I don't know if we really need to talk too much about them, but I just think it's interesting that that shit starts really early. I like that. I don't have anything else to say. Well, should we close? Let's do some final sippers. Yay. Everyone's favorite part, obviously. I know, same. <laughs> Listen to the end of the episode just for the sippers. So, Alyssa, how are we going to walk the talk this week, please? Walking the talk, very important. So I actually watched a documentary the other day on Netflix that is about trans people and mainly trans celebrities kind of telling their story and experience. It's called Disclosure. And I think it would be really cool if any of our listeners wanted to take, you know, 90 minutes out of their day and watch it. I think it provides a lot of insight from trans people themselves about why representation is really, really important and how trans people have been depicted from the early days of media to now. I mean, it's crazy different. And this movie does a really, really good job diving into it and getting information straight from the source. Yeah, I'm going to second that. I also have seen it and it's just, it really is honestly quite sad because like it just brings attention to some of the ways that transgender individuals have been portrayed. The thing that I like about it a lot is like it, it shows you clips from shows. Like I just started watching Sex in the City recently And there's like a clip from that in Disclosure, which then I watched it in the show. And watching it from my cis point of view, I I can get comedy out of it. But if you are someone who's trans, it is very humiliating. Mm -hmm. Because you're used as the brunt of jokes and as like, you're not treated as an actual full human being the way that other characters are. And then they also tie it into shows like Orange is the New Black with Laverne Cox and how having a transgender character that has a full life and a full story humanizes them and it normalizes it for society and makes it less taboo, you know? I think one of the best portrayals of transness is the character on Euphoria. Oh, yeah. Jules. I thought that that was such a perfect way of creating this character she's a main character and she just happens to be trans like that's not her whole identity on the show and that's what's different about you know the characters like in sex in the city who are just sex workers and like most trans portrayal in media has been sex workers and like that just creates stigma that's all it does it creates fear like even in the fucking, like ace ventura pet detective when at the very end he figures out that like this person's trans and like points it out and really shames them and like it makes it seem like they did something to you by being themselves because media has shown them what transness is without actually taking into account any trans people's real perspectives like you can't take someone else's lived experience and just like use it as a plaything right that same premise can get applied to everything people of color in the media gay people in the media like representation is very 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 important yep so everyone go watch it that's your homework walk that talk again it's called disclosure all right great that leads us to our final segment Alyssa. the best one hey you know should we say it together that's, that's a drag, drag name, name. <laughs> <laughs> that's so annoying okay so 
I'm actually really proud of this one. Ooh, okay. <laughs> it doesn't have much of a story. I'm just going to go for it and then I'll explain it. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. My drag name this week is Felicity Synchronicity. <laughs> oh my God. Felicity Synchronicity. I love the city of it all. Yeah. So I just really love the word synchronicity. And we said that in like a text conversation the other day. Yes. And so I was like, okay, how do I incorporate this? I just went the solid rhyme route, Felicity Synchronicity. I really like that. <laughs> Thank you. Rolls off the tongue. Is she like a synchronized swimmer, do you think? See, unfortunately, I kind of think Felicity might be sort of like an elitist prep school bitch. Oh. Uh, to pull a Sex in the City reference, she's kind of like a Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. Felicity Synchronicity. Felicity Synchronicity. All right. That's really good. Okay. So my drag name this week is... Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's as good as Stevie L.O.K., I'm going to be honest, but it's a good name. Her name is Polly Poppers. Polly Poppers? <laughs> like Polly Pocket? Like Polly Pocket, but then put in the reference of like gay drugs. Right. She's Polly Poppers. Polly Poppers. I love that. Like she's just kind of messy. Almost like a little circuity. She's kind of circuit queen. Yeah. Yeah. I think Felicity and Polly would not get along. I think that Felicity would use her social class to bully Polly. Oh, absolutely. But then Polly would like physically abuse Felicity, like would physically hurt her. <laughs> yeah, literally. I love that. Amazing. Please be in touch. Let us know if we said something offensive because we never want to do that. You can follow us on Instagram at Queer Exchange Pod and or you can follow us on Twitter at the QE pod because everything else was taken. <laughs> because Queer Exchange is already a thing, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. Basically, follow us on social media and keep listening if you enjoy it and maybe share it with your friends and family. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon. Okay, we love you. Bye.